something bad enough to That's steal. right bottom. You feel like you bad enough to hear cause you mad enough to scream but you sad enough to tear. Alright guys, before we get into today's episode, this is just a quick reminder. When we do these recovery episodes, it's about understanding addiction. Uh, this is a really great episode with one of our most sought-after guests, so I'm really happy to bring it to you guys. Just remember, if you guys know an addict, which everyone fucking does, right? Alcohol, drugs, whatever the case is, pills. Uh, just be mindful of the situation. That's why we're doing these episodes. Either you know you got a problem, somebody else you got a problem, everyone's affected by this kind of shit. And the suicide rate and the addiction rate and the overdose rate is so high right now. So just pay attention if you can, guys. Sit back, enjoy. This is a really great episode. I think it might be my favorite. So without further ado, here we go. Yeah. And welcome to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, it's me, Anthony Cardoza. Today, uh, it's going to be a good one, guys. If not that. If anything else, you're going to see me get embarrassed and uh, <laughs> probably humiliate a little bit, <laughs> but it's good for me. It's uh, it's about time that we got some truth spit out here, and of course, when we talk about recovery, you can't talk about it without saying Daniel Haley's name, so welcome, <laughs> Daniel. What's up, brother? <laughs> Chilling, big dog. Thank Chilling. you for having me. Dude, thanks for coming on, man. We had uh, so many positive reviews when you came on, and I think the best thing is, and the whole reason we do these recovery episodes is I had a, a couple people reach out to me yeah, and ask, for, you know, for your information and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah, he's, here's, you know, he's, he's on here a lot. If you, if you need to talk to him, you need to talk to somebody, here's some numbers, you know, we can go to a meeting, that kind of stuff. I don't know if anybody followed up with it. Yeah. But like you always told me, like plant the seed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's dope, man. Yeah. So you, you were spitting some fucking truth on here and you were the, your words definitely had an impact. So we're, I'm so happy to have you back on yeah. talking about recovery. That's dope. No pun intended. Yeah. No one followed up, but uh, um, I, I have a lot of uh, people in my, my spam folder in my email. So I'm going to check that out. <laughs> but um, that's uh, that's good and bad for me because it, it inflates my ego, right? Mm. And I could just feel the headphones getting tighter as you were complimenting me. So <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that. <laughs> like Mike Tyson, you start working out and now you're taking a fight. <laughs> yeah, it's just swelling up. <laughs> um, also, too, Daniel, you work in recovery. Yeah. So Daniel, I was just telling him right now, he sees it all. I think he gets it from different angles, from the newer guys. He's obviously an older head. We went to a meeting where Daniel spoke. And when Daniel speaks at these meetings, everyone kind of shuts the fuck up and listens. And it's really admirable quality. And I, I know when you talk, it happens. My brother's really articulate too. So when he he's led a couple meetings, yeah. and you know I've been running into him at meetings and shit like that. So when he shares, it's really nice. And there's certain people that can grab people's attention. Yeah. And it sort of opens up the door for a lot of people. I think when you're newer and you come into a AA meeting, a lot of times, I mean not a lot of times, but I've had those di- those meetings where I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Right? I remember you used to get like that when I used to go to meetings with you. Oh. I used to have to talk you in a stand. That's embarrassing, <laughs> man. It's so fucking embarrassing now. Like, yeah. Uh, so. I remember you used to get like that. I used to try to do all the AA cliches and be like, Anthony, you have to listen to the similarities and not the differences. <laughs> like, I, it came down to this. It came down to me telling you um, there's more reasons to stay than there are to leave. Mm-hmm. And there's always more reasons to go to a meeting than there are not to go. Right. So. I just tried to break it down that way in layman's terms so you, that you would buy into it because you're a fact-finding kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's a gift and a curse to say that uh, I reach a lot of people and my I can speak well and because I, the problem with that was my whole life I got to hear my own voice too. Mm-hmm. And I talked myself into a lot of crazy shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I bet, man. Yeah. I bet, yeah. <laughs> 
That's a powerful voice yeah. tricking your ass. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should listen to that motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> got some good ideas. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know what was happening to me. I I was dry, so I had a little bit of sober time. I thought I had it shit under control. I felt like meetings were. Uh, like you said, I would go to meetings. I would get upset at people. If people weren't paying attention, I would focus on them. Like, what right. the fuck is this guy doing? Right. Why did this guy share so much? Why did this guy share so little? Right. Like anybody else, but that's <laughs> me not focusing on myself and my like, recovery. And that's shit you told me all the time. Mm. Like, don't worry about her. Why are you worried about her? I'm like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you okay? Yeah. yeah because you know? it's, it's, it's said that it's said that when we focus on the faults of others. Mm-hmm. And that um, when I'm when I'm over when I'm over uh, sensitive to the things that are around me and finding faults in everyone and everything that I'm not paying attention to the the ability to grow within myself right or making the adjustments that I need to make and right. sometimes it's uncomfortable to change the things that are wrong within us we know what it is but we avoid it and we put it to this little you know this chamber in the back of our mind and the way we cope with it is by getting busy putting our hands in other things meddling and and uh, trying to fix things around us that we don't have control over and that's like the gift and the beauty of the serenity prayer mm-hmm. yeah why, why we have the serenity prayer at the end of every meeting is because it's to acknowledge that i'll be guided and told what i need to do by doing the best for me first so when people say recovery is a selfish program it's selfless in a way that you take care of yourself to a point that you become the best version of yourself to be an asset or to be in a position to help someone else. Mm-hmm. You you always hear people say you can't transmit what you haven't got. It's, it's read in, in, in the, the promises. And um, and we read that at the end of every meeting. And people, people don't really read into it the way that you're not supposed to. It's just as simple as that. You can't transmit what you don't have. So when I help you, if I don't have my hand on a higher power in this program or some type of structure or some type of uh, some type of concrete foundation, then I'll get sucked into your bullshit. Mm-hmm. No matter how relevant your bullshit was to my life, mm-hmm. and I've avoided my own stuff. So now I have your stuff and my stuff, and now the weight of the world is on me. And then I feel like either giving up or staying in this wallow of self pity or shame guilt remorse and all of these things are the opposite they're the antithesis the antithesis antithesis. (laughs) they're the antithesis (laughs) mike tyson told me i have my ladies and gentlemen i have my tooth out right now uh meth and uh, cocaine has uh, afforded me to put my tooth in a box (laughs) tooth in the box (laughs) this is my tooth in the box anthony gave me chocolate and soda so i i take my tooth out whenever someone offers me chocolate and soda. you gotta take that sweet tooth out so you don't yeah, go overboard it's a 400 dollar tooth it's a 400 dollar tooth baby oh um, shit so i don't want to you know i i'm just saying like um i'm guilty of it mm-hmm. why i recognize it is only because i'm guilty of it i've experienced it and um I, i've seen it to be true for many other friends and recovering people that i've dealt with in recovery Right, and we'll we'll get to my relapse and uh, all that shit right now. But I just want to keep talking about sort of what you were telling me because um, it had such a it had such a big impact on me getting clean and being able to afford some legit time because mm-hmm. you know being a dry drunk just means you're not working a program, you're not focusing on the things that you need to. Do. You're not accepting your higher power, and you have reservations. Right, and I did all that, and in the reading it says you know it's gonna get worse, and it said and all these things that were right in front of me. 
I, I had him in my... I don't know what was happening, dude. I was yeah. fucking hearing it, but I wasn't listening. Yeah. You know, but it was there. Obviously, we had conversations. You kept yeah. talking to me, so it yeah. wasn't just like I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck off. And you had you had a couple of prior to this last one mm-hmm. that were short-lived, right? And I think mm-hmm. every time you bounce back, um, you've noticed more health issues, right? You notice more, more of a consequence that happens. And like mm-hmm. every time I relapse, bro... I did harder drugs. Mm-hmm. It took it took longer for me to come back, and I still believe that it was going to be different the next time. Right, one hundred percent. Imagine someone as strong minded, as strong willed as you, as mentally fit and physically fit as you are, mm-hmm. and as articulate as you are. Mm-hmm. You, it, it'll be hard to believe that it'll be any other thing than what you set out to be, because you're a great. Per- you you follow through on plans. You, you you're able to put agendas, and you follow through on plans. You're a very uh, responsible person, but that could also be. A curse too, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. where is the reliance on the spiritual aspect? Do I, am I talking to my sponsor? Am I talking to this man that I've asked to guide me in this walk of life? And the blessing is, is that you had a comfort level and you were able to call me and York and uh, me and your brother and uh, and you were able to talk to this person and uh, and reach out to you have a connection with this person that you've trusted. So that means you you were really bought in at the time, no matter how short this. Uh, last thing was and some things that happened that I had never done before so each time I had a relapse I did something I've never done and so they call it the yets mm-hmm. and my grand sponsor always says I don't want to experience any more yets things that I said I would never do mm-hmm. I set out in the beginning to say I would never do this I would never do that mm-hmm. and I ended up knocking those things down one by one each time my bottoms became lower and lower until it became so low that I didn't want to live anymore Right. Spiritually. Yeah. I absolutely. was mentally, physically, and spiritually exhausted. Mm-hmm. And it, it took a, it took me losing my family, my apartment, my, my, my fiance of 12 years is cheating on me. We were engaged for eight years together for 12. Mm-hmm. Black people shit. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> my baby mama, <laughs> my baby mama, uh, it's find out when she, you know, I cheated on her with drugs for so many years, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, being a, uh, unfaithful to her emotionally uh abusively and verbally emotionally all the things i said i would never do i never want to be like my father oh dude you're right? yeah you're, all the things i said i never wanted to do i did in my addiction mm-hmm. right i yeah. can see that that hit home with you yeah right because that stuff that we say as children in the disease of alcoholism and addiction come to fruition because we become removed from our true self Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I don't want you to confuse that with me saying you can't take responsibility for what you've done in your addiction. Right. But it's just to say that I don't want to be that person. Looking back in hindsight, this is what this does to me. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately will in turn become the recognition and the acknowledgement of your first step. That's how your first step becomes stronger each time. For those out there who have issues and continue to relapse, just know your story just becomes stronger each time you attempt to come back. Thank God for the fight and the will and the desire to want to return because there's a lot who don't. Yeah, we've seen a yeah. lot of people fall out, a lot of people die. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's uh, – and th- again, these episodes aren't just for people that are addicted. Yeah. Everybody in some way, shape, or form is connected to addiction. Somebody has a friend that's, you know – off the deep end, whatever the case is. So we're just sort of trying to navigate, you know, hopefully give some advice to those people that have to deal with people like us and people that are just like us. Um, Yeah, what you said really hit home. You know, just the fact that uh, I don't want to be like my father. That was something, uh, you know, I grew up with uh, not knowing who my father was. I had a lot of resentment towards him, a lot of hate, not knowing who he was or what his struggle was. Now, um, 
you know, and he he passed from cirrhosis of the liver. He was a heroin addict. Uh, they said, you know, if you stop drinking now, you could, and he just didn't. You wow. know, he never stopped. And my, uh, you know, the, my grandma says one thing, my aunt says another, but it might have been sort of a, a planning of, of his. Right. We, for, we don't know what happened, right? Really, really. And um, you know, as I'm getting older, I start to do like what you said, the yets too. Like I never was a blackout user ever, right. and everybody knows that. Yeah, you know, you bullshit. You don't blackout. Yeah, yeah. I fucking did. Yeah, you know, you don't fucking drive. Right. I did. You don't take Oxycontin, fucking yeah. fentanyl. Yeah. I did. Right. You know what I mean? It's things like that that I I don't even. And when I'm sober, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? How did I get a hold of Oxy and think I could take this many? Uh, and I went to rehab, and there I'm taking a piss test. You're testing positive for fentanyl. Yeah. You know, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah I've never taken fucking fentanyl because yeah. I already have like 24 hours kind of sober, right. and I'm trying to figure it out. So they strip you down naked. And I look at my ankle, and there's a fucking fentanyl patch on me. Yeah. And like, like it attacked me. I'm like, get it off me! Get it off! <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did it get there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, get it off me! Like, I don't want fucking fentanyl on my yeah. body, you know. But it, especially, it, but the people who were testing you were not aware. No, I wasn't aware. Uh, there was a, the prior facility that you were at gave it to you for pain relief. No, as actually, I was taking care of my uncle when he was dying on hospice. Uh. So they gave him fentanyl patches for the pain, and then after oh, the pain, it wasn't administered to you. No, I just fucking slapped <laughs> that shit. Out. I was drunk as fuck. I go in my bathroom. I start going through my shit, That's and I just my dog. Start, yeah, start popping shit. That's grab my a fentanyl dog. patch. Never taken fentanyl in my life. Yeah. Take a, the strongest patch, put it on my fucking leg. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and, and apparently, I'm walking around the backyard in circles, and uh, uh, this this beautiful young lady I was dating at times goes. Uh, what are you doing? I was like, I pooped my pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. I was said that, and yeah. I was walking around in circles yeah. in the backyard. You know, yeah. <laughs> she. <laughs> There's no, there's no video footage. No, I so fucking bad, dude. Just, hey, if you're that beautiful lady, if you're hearing this right now, release the footage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. So, um, you know, that's the kind of shit that yeah, I I never would think of to take fentanyl. I would never no. think to do this. Never think that. And because of my family history, you know, seeing my aunts and my uncles strung out on drugs and stuff like that, I always said, too, I'll never fuck with white powder. Right. You know, my pops passed away. Uh, my grandpa, the guy who raised me. Right. What did I do? I started doing coke yeah. for fucking years. You know, yeah. thankfully, I've been off that for about two years now, okay. three years. So um, when I first got in the program, I did drop that. Right. You know, that was uh, a, a major concern of mine. But, you know, it's just these things that they escalate. And it says in the reading every fucking day we read these things. And it says, you know, everyone tries to control and it leads to a worse relapse. You know, it's a progressive illness and it's going to get worse. And then it leads to incomprehensible. Yeah. What is it? Demoralization. Demoralization. <laughs> and fucking that's exactly what happens. I yeah. come back. I have my fucking head down just like shit. I walk up to a meeting and, you know, I see a good friend of ours at secretaries and he's like, it's okay, man. Like, you're supposed to be where you are now. Yeah. And now you're ready, right? And I'm yeah. like, yeah. He's like, okay. So, fucking get to work. And that's yeah. what I've been doing, dude. But I'm, I'm so proud of you just uh, spending time with you on, uh, on, was it Wednesday night? Yeah. Or Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday, right? Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah so, uh, because uh, you, you do you do what I do. I, I when I'm doing bad, when I'm doing wrong, or when I whenever I'm going through whatever I go through, I hide from people that I love and I hide from those that help me and right. because I'm ashamed, one. Two, I don't have anything good to report. Three, I don't want to be a drag on their life. Right. Uh four, I think I'm God and I want to spare them me. Mm-hmm. Right? And also I think I'm God and I don't and I continue to p- punish me. 
Right. So those five things keep me from those who love me and those that want to help me. And I isolate. Mm-hmm. And I continue to do the damage again until God takes me out of it or some some outside uh, external factor comes into my life to save me from that, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I was going to say something. Uh, I forgot what it was because you just went on a good one. But just the last relapse, uh, um, doing the things that you haven't done before yeah. and um, saying, do, saying, swearing off things that you said you would never do and then uh, doing them in your in your last relapse, I I relate to that so much, man. Because uh, I was, I grew up smoking weed. I drank alcohol. You know, I hit I hit Sherm was my first drug. Really, like I don't I I I want to advise anyone. Uh, PCP shouldn't be your first drug. You should, <laughs> like you training day. Yeah, you should, you, should work, <laughs> ah, you should work your way up to PCP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Baby steps. Work your way up to it. But uh. Um, I got into I college pain, right? Uh, pain pills and um, and then um, ecstasy and party drugs and stuff like that. But right. I said I would never do, I never do cocaine because I sold cocaine when I was young and I was like, I saw what it did to my neighborhood. Exactly. I saw yep. what it did to my friends' moms. Mm-hmm. And, um, I saw what it did to my environment and um, I never wanted to be like my dad. So when I had a son, I wanted to. Uh, be there for him and marry his mother and all these things that I said I would never do that I I slowly but surely started to strip away from myself and demoralize myself through my actions mm-hmm. and uh, then came along methamphetamine mm-hmm. right and then uh, someone cut the coke with the meth and I got hooked on meth and then to go to sleep I wanted to take a lot of pain pills but then the pain pills stopped working so then I got into H. Mm-hmm. I got into heroin. Mm-hmm. So perpetually just continue to get worse and worse and worse. And I, you lower your nature more and more and more. How much more of yourself are you willing to sell to the devil? How much more of yourself are you willing to give to that, to that disease, right? It, it, it's, a rapacious, uh, it's called the rapacious creditor. In the book, they describe it as the rapacious creditor. Like, okay, the, here's your interest rate, right? Mm-hmm. You pay every month, plus I need this on interest. You pay that. And then next month they say you were late on your payment. And now your interest rate is up more. So you're like, no, I paid it on time. Well, here's a new policy. You have to pay this much. So every time it moves the yardstick and it continues to demand more and more and more from you. It continues to drain from you spiritually, emotionally, physically. And it robs you of all human concerns. Loving, living, uh, taking care of yourself, showering, eating. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, I, 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 I saw the darkest, darkest, darkest part of it this last time. And I've had many of ominous warnings. I've had many of bottoms before. So people say, can you reach a bottom once? Or can you have multiple bottoms and still recover? Yeah. As long as you recognize and remember your last one. Right. Right. Each time they could be the, the one that keeps you in the last time. Doesn't have to be as dire as ones prior to for you to stop. You just have to be ready when you're ready. Mm-hmm. So I think people continue to look for ones that are worse to stop. Uh, they need a sign or some type of symbol to stop. Like just stop digging. You had enough experiences. Is what I tell people who chronically relapse, mm-hmm. because it doesn't have to be as bad as the the time six times ago, or it doesn't have to be as bad as the fourth time. You know what I mean? The the this last time for me was not. I didn't lose that much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, the the girl I was with was looking for someone to validate her. She was abandoned emotionally. 
And she wanted someone to be there for her and my son. And I was not there for her. And that pain took me away and made me become absent. And I was not present. I was doing harder drugs. And the girl I with was in pain. And she sought out someone else. And I just couldn't handle it. And methamphetamine doesn't make you a good detective. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't, don't, methamphetamine does not make you a good detective. <laughs> I put up cameras and forgot to put the wires up. You know what I mean? It was just cameras with no wires. You know what I'm saying? I was trying. I think I invented the ring before ring, bro. Before they had ring. You know what I mean? And I thought I was gonna catch her doing something. You know? But that's how paranoid I was. You know? And I and I abandoned her, and cheated on her with drugs for so long. You know what I mean? And I hurt her for so long. And I lost my job. And I lost my apartment. And the things that I lost were financial and emotional, right? But I've had so many physical bottoms where I mm -hmm. hit a palm tree going 90, get shot three times. All these other things that will give anyone a reason to stop. Mm -hmm. It could be bottoms for anybody. You don't have to continue to search. It just means you need to just remember the last one and that needed just to be enough for you. And I think it was a spiritual low for me and it, it became enough for me. I chose to say, I'm done digging. God take the wheel i'm gonna really try recovery and do an earnest first step and do some real fourth steps where i do some real self-appraisal and do honest inventory that was what was lacking and i held off on all of those nine steps where i could have confronted my father and apologized to him for blaming him for what i could have done or my mom already had provided and all the things that i avoided all my life uh, a lot of them were in those nine steps I had a lot of emotional appeal to my mother, right? Verbal sorries to my son's mother, but nothing like action. Living amends and action is the best type of amends. People don't want to hear your sorries. You don't have to be an addict. You don't have to be an addict or an alcoholic to have problems with family and loved ones and understand people are tired of sorry. They want to see you make changes. They want to see you develop new character. They want evidence and proof that you've changed. And the best gift to anyone is you becoming the best version of yourself. That's the person that they fell in love with. That's the person they care for. And when I when I was able to give them that, they were like, all right, we'll give them the keys again. We'll let them in the house. I'll let them see his son. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We'll drive out to go visit him in treatment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'll, oh, we'll come for the weekend and spend time with him and his mother. That's how it, it slowly started to happen like that. And, you know, um, I had to eat that humble pie because initially I was not accepting of how long it was taking for people to forgive me. And that's selfish, too. Yeah. People have to forgive you in their own time. And, um, you know, through that process, I was able to have my father in my son's life this February for the first time he got to see my, my nine-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm grateful for that. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. I had to finally forgive my father for me to reach out and let him come visit my son because um, I wasn't keeping him away. It's just that my dad didn't have time to come out here. He lives in D.C., you mm -hmm. know, and I, we're in Pasadena. So it's like uh, I have to open that line of, okay, I have to be prepared to be judged. I have to hear his shit. But yeah. Let me call him and say, hey, I, I want to tell you I appreciate you for what you were able to do. You know, you weren't there and all that other stuff. I left all that out because I didn't tell him that part. But right. you can't add shit. Like, you can't add the... You, you can't, can't... In the apology, you can't get to... You can't throw a couple disses yeah, and fucking left yeah, hooks. Yeah, that's <laughs> another thing. Don't 
Don't throw the disses in the apology. Just leave that. I'm sorry out. you were such a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I forgive you now. Yeah. <laughs> we cool. Yeah. We good. We good. <laughs> we good. Yeah. So that's I. I don't know. I I I had to put down the shovel. They always say put down the rock. I don't know. When I hear that, I think about cocaine. I think about, I think about crack. When they say drop the rock, there's a book called Drop the Rock. Yeah. I don't know if you heard of it. I forgot the author's name. But there's a saying in recovery, they say, put down the shovel, stop digging, you know, that hole. Mm-hmm. I just stopped digging because I was tired. I had no more ideas, you know. Yeah. And that's another thing, being strong-willed and intelligent like you, mm-hmm. or like your brother or like me, it's hard to not listen to those good ideas, man. Right. Or I'm going to figure out again this time. I'm so strong-willed and so self-sufficient for so long since I was 16, I was... You know, in jail, and then after that, I was taking care of myself on my own. But, but I forget about all those times I had to ask for help from my parents and from people to bail me out of jail. You know what I mean? Right. I um, yeah. I think, uh, and, and also too, it's just, uh, you know, the answer is right there in front of you. It's very simple. It's it's laid out. It's called steps. You know, you go one through twelve. You know, and uh, someone's above you. You're you know just kind of guiding you through the steps and kind of telling you what's up. Someone's got a little more more time than you. And I have a habit, I know my brother does, and I'm sure you do too, of not looking at, it says, admit without like any reservations that you're fucking powerless. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, for right now. Yeah. <laughs> but in a year, in I'll be able to go. Pocket, yeah. You still got a little bit of power? Yeah. I'm like, I'll, I'll go, I'll just drink on vacation next year. Or I just won't drink this time, but then I'll drink when I go here. And then, yeah. you know, I'm going to, you know, I have all these fucking ideas, but I'm not saying it. Can you I know. ask you? Did you did you have some reservations this last? Yeah, hundred percent. And I didn't. I wasn't aware of it. Right. You know. And um. Okay. So. Remember how we were talking about rituals? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's a, a lot of what was going on too. Is yeah. uh, you know, I was irritable, restless, and discontent. And I have my go-to's, which is my lack of coping mechanisms. You know, growing up and having people die and do this yeah. and that. All we did was grab a case of beer yeah. and sit there. And we wouldn't cry. We wouldn't feel our emotions. Yeah. And, you know, they manifest in ways that aren't healthy for anybody, you know, addict or not. So, you know, learning those things, are, it's it's so huge. And, you know, I have these, these ideas of what I'm going to do. And the, the, for me, this was my rock bottom because I've never hurt anybody intentionally. Um, inadvertently, people have been hurt. You know, you know you've seen me with people come by and see me fucked up on the couch. I'm in a lot of pain. I can't move. If I stop drinking, I'll start shaking, convulsing, um, vomiting, that kind of shit. And, uh, you know, this time I, I hurt people directly. Right. Um, unintentionally, you know, the beast had took over me and I wasn't who I am. And the only, you know, and then on top of that, uh, you know, my goddaughter, who's my goddaughter, right. you know, I'm supposed to be her godfather. I'm supposed to be taking care of her and looking out for her. Right. She's sitting there with a cup of water and a rag, like dabbing my head because I'm drenched in sweat. Yeah. I get up to vomit. I almost, I almost fall over, almost pass out, almost hit my head every fucking two seconds. Mm-hmm. I can't stop shaking. I can't stop moving. I can't stop sweating. I, I'm making no sense. Right. You know, so her and my aunt sat there for 48 hours straight. Wow. And would not leave. You know, and I was like, it's fine. They didn't want me to drink. They were just trying to get me through it in case I had to go to the hospital, whatever the case was. Right. And, uh, you know, by the second day, I was able to, uh, you know, I didn't sleep for five, six days when I was withdrawing. Uh, my pancreas and my uh, uh, gastrointestinal lining were fucking destroyed. Wow. So I can't stop gagging and saying, I'm having to sit there and, she, you know, I go to the bathroom to, to vomit and my goddaughter starts crying. You know, and she's not in any way, shape or form going to leave. 
And she's not bailing out on the situation, but she's just sad because yeah. she's never seen me like that. Right. And she should never have to. Right. You know, so I'm hurting people that I love and I care about. Um, you know, and, it, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm not saying names, guys, not to save my own ass. Yeah. Um, to out of respect for other people that were involved, I'm not saying yeah, saying anything like that. Course. You know, uh, I hurt some people, and I'm fucking never gonna live it down. And it's something I have to live with, and I had to make an amends. Right. And you know, the hardest part of that was understanding that I need to shut the fuck up and let someone say what they need to say. Like kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Um. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, I'm sorry, and things are gonna change now, and uh, yeah. things are gonna be. It wasn't like that. Yeah. I, I go in there, and I knew it was coming. Fucking, I felt like someone was beating my ass for a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> I came <laughs> home and I fell asleep. I was yeah. exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that's emotionally draining. Yeah, I was I was so done, man. And the only thing, the only saving grace I had was, do I do any of these things sober? And, you know, at the time, the person didn't want to hear it, and I understand that. Right. But letting them kind of say what they did, I, I, it was more of a realization of, of who I am and what I'm capable of the second I pick up a fucking drink. Right. The second I pick up something, I'm not who I am. Exactly. And I, I, I didn't understand that concept. I always felt like, you know, this guy's a cool guy, but when he drinks, he's just a piece of shit. He's, he wants to drink. You know, there's that saying like in uh, Tombstone, in Vido Veritas, like mm-hmm. in truth, there's in, in wine, there's truth. Kind of. <laughs> or maybe just a fucking drunk and you're babbling a bunch of nonsense because I'm a compulsive liar when I'm right. drinking. You know what I mean? So it's... Are you? Yeah, I lie about all kinds of <laughs> shit. I fucking have delusions of grandeur. I'm like, I'm a fucking. Well, like, it's uh, the op- so I guess we, it's the Doctor Jekyll. Yeah, hundred percent. Doctor Hyde, right? Doctor mm-hmm. right, Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah, Mister Hyde, mm-hmm. because it's total opposites. Then, opposite, yeah, polar opposites. For some people, it enhances who they really are, mm-hmm. and for some people, they become who they don't want to be and who they can't be. Right, and who they. No, it's not right to be. So it's it's it's. I understand exactly what you're saying. And and it, I used to wake up after blackouts to just feel for my butthole, make sure that I wasn't raped. You know what I'm like, that's <laughs> yeah, well, they got me this time. Yeah, but. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, but sorry, what I was going back to was um my father, you know, and a lot of the behaviors he did and what my family had to see him go through. Um, and I'm doing the same fucking thing. And I don't hold any resentment towards him anymore. You know, I let all that stuff go, and I understand now. Right. He was a sick person, and I'm sure if he wanted, if he if he had it in him, and he was capable of being a good dad, he would be. Yeah. But when you're on drugs like that, and you're in the fucking streets, and you're just trying to get your next fix, you're just trying to get your next beer. Right. You're not thinking about being a fucking dad, or no. you know what? I'm, how am I going to treat my significant other? And you know, you don't think about that kind of shit. You're fixated, and people can't fathom this. You're fixated on one fucking thing. Yeah. And that's letting the beast out. Yeah. You know, and um, I fought friends. Mm-hmm. I fought friends. Uh, I hurt people. Imagine a girl. Imagine a girl who likes you a lot, right? Uh-huh. A girl you work with, and she's had a crush on you for so long. Been there, Doug. No, I'm just kidding. And then, <laughs> and then you you drink that night, mm-hmm. and you black out, and you and that girl make love. Uh-huh. But you look at her the next day at work, like nothing happened. But you really don't know why she's looking at you like something happened. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. what that human being is going through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's been crushing on you for nine months, right? Mm-hmm. You drink and you finally sleep with her, but you're just supposed to be friends, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next day, she's like, oh, he doesn't even, oh my God, he was, 
that's how she feels like so empty inside and took an advantage of and using i've hurt people like that like oh yeah i fought best friends i fought family members blacked out not remember i the worst thing is to be told what you did the night before right i hate that shit yeah i the worst thing is for people to show you a cell phone video recording of what you did the night before that's that's probably the worst right there that when you see worst. how like I, I you know what's funny too outer body experience you know what's it's funny is you say that here let me show this video to Daniel real quick because <laughs> this popped up on my Snapchat and release it was the tape. yeah <laughs> it's me shitting my pants and I <laughs> <laughs> and walking in circles in the backyard fit no patch on my leg no pants on <laughs> my forehead but um here look at just I just want to show Daniel and then I'm gonna right. tell you guys what it's it is it's a media break. Look at my eyes. Oh my god. So in the video I'm uh <laughs> I have a what is that, a handle of jack? That is a handle, dog. That's yeah. not a seven fifty. And I I finished that. Yeah. And then I fell asleep in Universal Studios. So what I did was this is like ten o'clock in the morning. I yeah. have a fucking handle of Jack Daniels. I'm downing it on the way there. And I'm looking at the camera like I'm fucking cool. My eyes are barely open. Yeah. Right? And then when I got to Universal, I drank a few more beers and I passed out on the tram. And we were on one of those Spanish speaking trams. So the guy's like, I don't know what it is. He's like yelling at me in Spanish, like making fun of me. And I'm just like out cold. That is funny. And when I finish the ride, I get up and I'm like, okay, round two. Borracho. Yeah. <laughs> and like everybody's laughing. That's I was the out. Worst. And it's just, you know. When when I was in that headspace, I thought that's the way to live. And when I started to, you know, when I went to the hospital, and they said, "If you drink again, you're gonna die." Yeah, I started crying, you know, because I was like, "There's no way I'm not gonna drink." Yeah, uh, I'm gonna fucking die. You would see that mm-hmm. you were given some news, mm-hmm. dire news, right? Specific instructions. Yeah. If you do A, B will happen. Yeah. But they told you that when I first met you. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. We've known each other for three years now. Uh huh. They told you that a little bit more. We've known each other more than three years. Yeah. And, motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Right. But it gets worse each time. Yeah. You're on your last leg each time. Yeah. You won't be able to enjoy normal things like eating through your mouth. No. You yeah. have to be fed through a, a bag. You it, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A tube. Mm-hmm. And I've been told things that, hey, make this adjustment or this will happen. And I, I push the line every time, yeah. bro. Mm-hmm. That's what they call the insanity. Mm-hmm. Right? Doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Right. Knowing the result and doing the same thing is really what insanity is. Right. People always say doing the same thing, expecting a different result. It's it's knowing the result. You know what's going to happen when you do doing this. Doing the same thing. That's what I want to clarify. Yeah. And I get to... And I already know. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't give a fuck. It'll be fine. Or... Sometimes I don't. I I have that blind spot that they talk about too. Yeah. Where I know it's going to lead. I don't even think that far ahead though. I'm like, I'm just going to drink right now. Yeah. And then within four days, I don't care if I live or die anymore. And yeah. I, I'm a, you know, generally I'm trying to take care of people. I'm trying yeah. to do my shit. At that point, like you were saying earlier, like I'm not fucking clean. The Airbnb is fucking fucked up. The yard is trash. Yeah. The house is destroyed. Yeah. You know, and I'm just fucking in shambles. Like, okay, I'm going to die like this, and, and that's fine with me. And then there's parts of me that aren't fine with it. So I start getting beaten fucked down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden those, you know, moments of those fleeting brief moments of happiness I have when I'm drinking are consumed by the other 98%, which are just me being in fucking pain, miserable, hating myself, feeling regret, feeling remorse, feeling fucking stupid. Yeah. You know, and then somehow by the grace of God, 
you know, my aunt was over. She was just talking about God. That's all she was talking about. And I, and I kept, I think one of my reservations was, I would tell people, I believe in God, but God, you know, helps those who help themselves. So he didn't give a fuck what I'm doing. Yeah. That kind of thing, you know? <laughs> and I just, and I, I couldn't fathom the fact that if I let him take the wheel and said, hey, you know what? I fucked these, I fucked up and I fucked, and I fucked these people over. And the only thing I could do is apologize to him. And like you just said, do the work yeah. instead of sitting here and doing this. Hey, I am sorry. Yeah. And I'm going to show you. This is yeah. my amends. I'm going to change my life. Yeah. And I'm just going to show you. Yeah. And I'm going to shut the fuck up now. Yeah. And everything everyone's saying to me, I listen, I go to meetings now. Every person that shares, yeah. even if they're batshit crazy babbling, yeah. I'm like, I get it. You're able to, you're able to find the everything. Yeah. And I, I, they, they made me share the other day. Yeah. They call my name. The girl, the girl that opened the thing, she's like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to leave rehab. And I was like, I related to everything everyone said. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you said you felt safe in rehab. I was like, I didn't want to leave rehab because I knew that I wouldn't have the same support that I did have right. in rehab. This guy right here. Oh, you went to a hotel room and we're being fucking weird. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. Oh, this guy right here. You didn't like to drive by this one spot because it hit a blind spot and you started thinking about using drugs. And just, yeah. yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And every single person, yeah. I just pointed something that they said. <laughs> it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And I was like, that feels good. So where is God? Where is God? Yeah, where is God when you're doing that? He's working through me at that moment. Working through all those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something you could touch, feel, see, or smell. Yeah. He presents himself, or it presents himself, or she presents himself for our feminists out there. <laughs> um, when you seek it, yeah. you see it. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that place where you don't want to make the chan- the willingness, or the just the the you don't want to actually have the willingness to try to look for it or feel it or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't when I'm high, and I can't when I'm. When I'm obsessed with the idea of getting high or drunk, you know what I mean. So, when we're we're sober, when we're sober, we look weeks, months, and years ahead, mm-hmm. and we stress. Right? When we're drunk, I can't plan more than the next hour. If that, right? <laughs> right. I ordered fucking post. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. How when I'm sober and when I'm clean, I'm stressing about so many things down the line, mm-hmm. but. Or future fucking myself, right? Mm-hmm. But when I'm sober, uh, when I'm drunk, I'm only by the next two minutes, the next three minutes, right? You know what I mean? So that's just interesting how you said that. I really relate to what your your experience is right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? You needed to have this introspection. How you're able to, uh, how you're able to uh, navigate through what just recently happened and express it to me. It shows me you have a clear idea of where you are right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and I I know I know, I know you're gonna do what you need to do. I'm gonna be on your ass. Yeah, I live next door. Yeah, you know I just be scared to come over here because you got them dogs and black, <laughs> and black people don't like dogs. <laughs> yeah, I um, you know, uh, and and now too, um, you know, I didn't understand like the fellowship aspect either. You know, I didn't understand that. I obviously you, you know, Daniel's never asked me for a fucking thing. You know, um. Uh, we met because I fucking I saw you at a meeting a couple times, then I saw you waiting for the bus. And I was like, "Hey, you want to you want to roll with me?" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then we went to meetings, and after that, I was just like kind of stuck by you, and I was like, "This guy knows what he's doing, and he's fucking chill." Now I'm sorry, I led you that way. <laughs> 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 and now it's like, yeah, if I Daniel's here, I'm sticking next to Daniel. When I go to the meetings, I stick to the guys that have more time than me, and I just stick to them and I listen to them, and whatever they ask me to do, I do it without hesitation. 
and I get something out of every meeting, and I fucking enjoy meetings now. Hence the commitments they railroaded you with. Yeah. <laughs> they got me on those. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I like to do that now because now people can – I can introduce myself to people, and people get to know who I am. And when I walk into a meeting now, I don't just go to the back and sit there. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. Bro. What's mind your name? You, mind you, this is during corona, dog. Yeah. You're right. making an effort where a lot of people could say, oh, I don't want to go out. Oh, I don't want to do this. You found a way where there's social distancing and they're mm-hmm. still having recovery and uh, you're able to you're seeking it you're doing the extra step yeah but a lot of people stay sober for a long time just mimicking did you know that mm-hmm. a lot of people mimic what they hear they mimic what their sponsors do and that keeps them sober for a long time but eventually they have to do the internal work mm-hmm. but i i saw you attempting to do a lot of internal work real fast without mimicking the re, the uh fellowship part of it the first couple of times. Right. Yeah. You were busy. Absolutely. You were working. You were busy. But there's a lot of people who work, have kids, and are busy and still make time to be involved in the recovery community and help those when they can and socialize. They go for coffee after the meetings or they eat food together after a meeting. And just that connection alone is it's it's also where two or more are gathered. It does doesn't it doesn't end when the serenity prayer ends, the meeting. Mm-hmm. Those interactions and those relationships that you're building are genuine. Mm-hmm. And you can get a lot from people younger and older than you just because of all of their different life experiences, the variation of the different life experiences in the meeting. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously I've always stuck by you because I know you're a good dude and uh, you've, you've never tried to, to lead me astray. You know, and the hardest, I think... On uh, purpose. Another, huh? On purpose. On purpose. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think a hard, a hard point for me was... Um, to understand I had to let go a lot of people that were in my life because they wanted me to get fucked up. They wanted me to use. And it's it's that kind of thinking where they're thinking about themselves and their party, not thinking that this motherfucker's going to die if he were uses. Were there people who knew your health condition too? Yeah. Uh-huh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you yeah. know, then people that know you're trying to do something with your life, you're trying to be a fighter, you're trying to be a musician, comedy, whatever the fuck you're trying to do, and they want to use around you or they, they're not respecting your space and what you're trying to do. Like, that's dead fucking weight, you know? And it's it's something that was hard for me because I, it's, I thought of it a different way. And it's you don't have to cut these people out of your life, you know? But, but did it make you feel like maybe I'm weird? What's wrong with me? And it also feeds into why can't I control my drinking and have fun and still do this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it makes you feel like an outcast. And yeah. it, it pulls down on your self-esteem, you know? And uh, There's a level I, I've experienced. I relate to that, too. Mm-hmm. I've experienced... Uh, I've experienced being the guy who paraded around telling everyone he was in recovery to no longer have to go out and hang out with them to learning that anonymity is not just about uh, names in the meeting. Mm-hmm. It's about spiritual anonymity. I don't have to tell you what I do to keep my happiness at bay. You know what I mean? I can just tell you, hey, tonight I'm going to spend time with my family. I don't feel like going out. I don't have to announce to you that I'm in recovery. I don't have to announce to you that I've been in a twelve-step program. That's the that's the blessing of a spiritual anon- anonymous program. Mm-hmm. You don't have to report it. And when I went around reporting it to everyone, I became the worst commercial for recovery because every time I relapsed, those people who've never tried a meeting and never been to a meeting, they're like, "See, that shit doesn't work." Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They're like, "See, that shit don't work." Daniel always talking about he got to go to a meeting after work. Now look at his ass. He got his third DUI. Yeah. Now look at his ass. He got his fourth DUI. Right. You know what I mean? So I learned that um, to only tell people that it would help if it helps them. 
I would reveal that. And then I learned that uh, it's good to be honest without the details for people who don't need to know about why you can't hang out. If you if you really value those friendships and need to be, have those people in your life, that's your own personal decision. But if there are people who know your health condition and know that you can't and you can't have that, and you and you shouldn't, then you'd made the right decision, I'd say, by cutting those people out of your life. You have mm-hmm. friends and family and plenty of more people who value you and care about you that want you to live healthy and happy mm-hmm. that you don't you don't need to grovel at anyone's feet to have in your life for acceptance or to validate what what you are, the fighter, the, the cool guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many aspects of you that make you you, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I'm glad that you had that experience in a way because it helps you cut a lot of fat in your life, a lot of dead weight, right? Mm-hmm. Cutting weight for a fight yeah, to be the best fighter you could be at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, and I think that's uh, another thing. Um, you know, thank you for saying that. The way you, The way you say things always makes me... Like okay, like that's right, or you know, <laughs> you gotta put it in layman's terms, because you know, for me too, I can't read the big book. I don't know if it's because I got it when I was fourteen, and uh, you know, just one year out the other. Like, when the fuck is the next chapter gonna start? So I could say I read a chapter, right? And I don't even know what I just read, right? And I read it fucking a hundred times. I don't know what's going on. So I got the audio version, <laughs> that's right? <laughs> and I got a highlighter, like a little kid. Someone's reading me a story. Remind me of sixth grade when they used to read us fucking Harry yeah. Potter and shit. I'm like, damn, I could visualize Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> But you're 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 an auditory learner. Yeah, I guess for the book I am. You know, for that book I am, and it it stuck. Okay. And all of a sudden, shit started making sense to me, and everything that was being read to me was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Right. Every fucking thing. Yeah. You know, and I had to get really get down on the acceptance thing. Like I had to accept the fact that I'm fucking powerless over this shit. And the second I pick up, it's all off. Everything. My whole fucking life is unmanageable. That's like what the hard thing is, you know. I had to accept the fact that there's certain things and certain things people are saying. Oh, you don't do that. You that that's a fucking lie. You were doing this. Da, da, da. I can't change that. Yeah. I gotta just shut the fuck up and accept what they're saying and move forward and keep working. Whether it's true or not. Whether it's true or not. And I, I gotta let them vent. Yeah. But there's a reason. Also, you said me and my brother, mm-hmm. we're stubborn. We don't do the one to the steps are in order for a purpose, right? Right. And watch how that when you get to that real ninth. Yeah, we do the ninth that time. Mm-hmm. Watch how that. I'm not. I don't want to. There's no, no, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers here. Right. But it's gonna blow your fucking mind because yeah. by that time you'll be placed in the position of neutrality, mm-hmm. and you would have this idea of introspection that garnered in the self-respect and dignity that you've gotten from doing the steps in order. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me, brother, the forgiveness of yourself has to happen before you could ask for forgiveness from others. And so, in that order, it will happen through the operation of those steps. It, it's going to happen for you. No, and absolutely, like you just said, um, I think one of the hardest the parts of like step six and step seven are, as if you guys don't know the steps, we're just talking about the steps of the twelve step program, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but everyone goes by, you know, cocaine, heroin. Everyone, it's a it's a great program. And when you go to AA meetings, there's plenty of other addicts from different chapters that come and. They'll say things like I'm a grateful member because they're not necessarily alcoholics, but they can identify with the, the program and the way that it goes. So that's why it, I really love AA. But um, anyway, uh, I was going to say uh, is, is the hardest part of it was accepting that you have to forgive yourself. And I have that sort of self, that nature where I don't know if I wasn't called to whatever, whatever the fuck it is. I hate myself a lot of times, you know, and I fucking don't think I'm worthy of uh, – 
accept people accepting apologies. I'm like, yeah, fuck me. I don't yeah. deserve to be forgiven. So I think the hardest thing was really ex- understanding that and accepting that fact that, you know, it, this is shit you do when you're fucked up. Yeah. And that's kind of what clicked. And I was like, yeah, because when I'm sober, I don't do this shit. Right. So you need to cut this out to be a better person. And when I did that, I started to be like, okay, I could let that go. And I could take an ass whooping and hear someone chew me out for a fucking hour. Yeah. About, you wouldn't have been able to if you would have still no, been drinking. No, no. No fucking say, way. Say you would have still been drinking to try to attempt that apology. Oh, forget it. I would have started being combative, right? I would have just should it not. Just, you would, she wouldn't have been able to vent. And the, the therapeutic process of that was just to give her an opportunity to vent. It was not to get or gain anything from it. No. But yeah. just to let her have release. Yeah. And so from that, you did your part for now. I would revisit that till you get to a real step nine. Yeah. But I love that you followed your sponsor's direction and just let her vent. And, you know, um, it's powerful, man. Unmanageability because of my feelings and my emotions. I'm powerless, right? Mm-hmm. I'm powerless over alcohol, drugs, over sex, gambling, anything, mm-hmm. right? And if there's a physical reason why, right? There's the, there's the uh, allergy of the body right the obsession of the mind and then my feelings and my emotions make my life unmanageable so two part to step one yeah and so um i had to understand that before i go get a drink before i become high when i'm sober two three years why do i relapse because there's something i'm not doing maintenance wise mm-hmm. there's something i've not been treating right coping spill coping skills or my limiting beliefs are returning mm-hmm. right my core beliefs have changed and I'm starting to doubt myself. I'm starting to lie. It begins with lying. When I start lying, I let the I open the door for the I, lo, I open the door for everything after that. Mm-hmm. When you start lying about small shit, it becomes big shit. The 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 best way to the, the most strongest people I know in MMA and fighting or the most charismatic and the richest people I know in my life don't flaunt it and they don't intimidate people. They know what they have. And they carry themselves with this kind of dignity. Mm-hmm. And that's humility to me. Right. I don't have to tell you what I can do to you. Mm-hmm. Try me if you want to, but I don't have to tell you. Or I don't, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Try me if you want to, but you, you've always been humble, Anthony. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to walk. You're Don't beat yourself up. You're, you are humble. You are humble in that sense. Mm-hmm. I don't see you impose on people. I don't see you... You're not a mean person. You're very caring. You go out on your way to help a lot of people, bro. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've helped a lot of people. And what I want to tell you is, if if I look at my higher power or God or the the spirit of the universe or this entity that creates life as a being that's loving and has forgiven me, who am I to continue to play God? And continue to punish myself. Absolutely. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. If my son spills milk on the carpet, I can't be mad at him for more than one minute. Like, I have to forgive my son and help him clean it up. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he's my son. And that's a that's an that's an adamant object. It's it's a thing. It's a carpet. It's milk. It's spilt milk. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember getting hit for stuff like that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I remember my mama getting a Heineken bottle thrown at the back of her head because the beer wasn't cold. Mm-hmm. And so when you see traumatic things like that, it just takes a while to adjust to what is a normal way to function. Mm-hmm. What is a healthier way to what is a healthier way to adapt to life? Mm-hmm. And I had a maladapted way of living. Right. And 
the way I thought life was supposed to be and how I was supposed to conduct myself was so skewed compared to what healthy people do and what what is uh what is what is healthy what 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 is uh most effective for me because what's most effective for me may not be most effective for you and you will find that through self appraisal mm -hmm. you will find that through doing inventory you will find that through writing assignments and, and listening to people speak from different walks of life because you get to either relate through laughter nod your head when they speak go up to them after the meeting and talk more uh, meet new people in uh, your walk at work and through training people and through fighting and listen to people's hearts and minds instead of trying to think of the answer before they're done talking because mm -hmm. i used to be so arrogant you know so i'm mm -hmm. so arrogant i want to cut you off i want to ask you for advice and then cut you off and tell you the answer <laughs> what kind of shit is that yeah i used to want to do stuff for people but then i had a receipt in my back pocket for what i did for you right and there's no humility in that there's no integrity in that because right. that all the all of that fatigues it's short-lived it's based on things that you can't you, you can measure but they don't last and what what troubled me were things that were not that they were not that big they were not that important because the issues I was stressed or be depressed about were not things that would last as long as as long as the consequences of drinking and using did right the consequences of drinking and using lasted way longer than the things I used to stress or be depressed about mm -hmm. so what do I need to work on what's stressing me out what has me anxious and the things that keep me depressed right and I didn't know how serious mental health was. But mm -hmm. mental health is a big thing. And the people who adapt mental health into their recovery have a higher chance of staying sober. And they are staying sober at a higher rate than before because mental health has become into the forefront of, uh, of, of the medical uh, aspect of treatment now. Because it, it never was. It was separate. But they understand now that they have to go hand in hand. Right. And I, I remember being at meetings and being upset with people. And you're like, dude, you have to understand. A lot of people <laughs> here are dual diagnosed. Oh, my and God. Was, yeah, Anthony you... used to get so mad. <laughs> if, 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 if somebody started sharing about their cat or if, they had, <laughs> if, if somebody cut them off in traffic, he couldn't see why they needed to vent that. Yeah. <laughs> or if somebody was repeating themselves or had... A, a speaking disability? No, I don't want to say that. No, Anthony's not. Anthony's not, Anthony's not like that. Today, Junior. Today, Junior. No, but everyone from all walks of life use that, and a lot of people use it for free therapy. Yeah, just to let you know. Yeah, some of them don't even really have addiction. No, some of them don't. You, you showed me, you showed me an example of that of somebody telling you that he had a relapse. With marijuana, and, he <laughs> <laughs> and he's crying. And I was like, "What the?" F I hit a joint. And he's like, "Fucking balls!" Yeah. Like, what the fuck like, are you it's, talking about? It's legal in California. Yeah, man. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nah, but you know what I mean. So yeah. I, I had to accept that people are gonna use this room for whatever they use this room for. Mm -hmm. And when I was, when I'm not judging, when I'm not, when I'm not judging, and and, and uh, when I'm not a. Uh, when I'm not, you know, analyzing why someone is sharing specifically about why they are, but instead of listening to the, the, the feelings and the emotions that this person is trying to express. Right. Right? I'm not in a, a place to receive it. But when I'm, when I'm relating to the feelings and the emotions that are being expressed, I can get something from anyone's share. And what you said to me tonight before you picked me up was that you were getting something from everyone's share and that shit fucking tripped you out. Yeah. It, it starts to become this little... 
Little, and I little, love it now. Yeah. And I and I never understood people. Oh, I love it. This is my medicine. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I don't want to be here. Yeah. I could not sit through a fucking meeting. I'd have to come late. Yeah. Probably leave early. Yeah. You know, I'd be pacing around. I need to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I don't even fucking smoke. I'm like, hey, you got a cigarette? <laughs> I need to get the fuck away from these people. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it was just so overwhelming and how closed off I was. I couldn't see it. And it fucking baffled me. You know, it really did. And now... Just my level of acceptance to what people have to say and, and to, like you said, understanding that not everyone is on the same page as me and not everyone comes from the same. But the emotions there, you know, I'm fucking fed up today. That's what I get out of it. You know, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, about your turtle running away or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. But it comes down to I'm fucking upset and it's it's making a Why switch. Why have to be a turtle? Dude? I don't know. Someone was talking about having a turtle today. The slowest, <laughs> the slowest animal? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to, to back the mental health thing you're talking about, it's not just, you know, because I've been on um, anti-anxiety, anti-depression, uh-huh. and the I was on it, and I'm not, huh? You mean med- uh, medicine, medicine, medication? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. and I'm not working on the actual problem, just being medicated. Yeah. There's a big fucking difference between those two things. I love that. Right? I love that, because there's therapy. Mm-hmm. I go to physical therapy twice right. a week, and if you don't do what... They're instructing you to do at the therapy place twice. On your own? At home. Mm -hmm. You have to do it in the morning and at night. You go to therapy in the afternoon, you have to do it at home. If you don't, it's less, it's not effective. Mm -hmm. That 15, 25 minutes that you're working out, the other 25 minutes they're stretching you and then they're icing you down. Mm -hmm. So the hour, the hour that I'm there is not enough twice a week to recover for what I need to recover for with my, with my orthopedic issues. Right. Mm -hmm. So with prayer, I pray to God, but then I'm, I'm like this. Did he hear me? Mm-hmm. Why, why isn't anything happening yet? Why isn't God hearing me? Why is he not responding to my prayer? Mm-hmm. I pray, and then I meet God halfway. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I have to take action. And you said God does for those who do for themselves. Mm-hmm. What that means is they acknowledge God, they talk to God, they pray to God, but they, they meet God halfway in their prayer by taking action every day. Right. And the same thing with the medicine. If I don't have a therapist, and if I'm not journaling what the medicine is doing to me, and I'm just taking medication, I'm not doing the full scope of what the practice can offer. No. There's a lot of people who have medicine that don't see therapists. And I highly suggest those out there who have mental health issues to have a therapist if you're on medication because you need someone to have... Uh, you need someone to you need someone to have that dialogue with of what's going on with your body, what's going on. Someone that t- allows you to take uh, a blood sample, a piss test, to do a panel to see how it's doing with your body and regulate your nutrition. All of that stuff, all of that stuff. Healthy mind, healthy spirit, healthy body. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all encompassing. Right. And a lot of people want to focus on one aspect of it and not do the other to make it more effective. And I, I really applaud anyone who's doing both. You know, if they're if they're I'm not med compliant at the time right now, mm-hmm. um, but I have a therapist and I have a sponsor and I, 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 I check in with the psychologist. So um, for, it didn't work out with me with medicine. I had adverse effects. Mm-hmm. For some people, it does work, but they're not getting the results that they want. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I think journaling about your medicine, how it makes you feel, and then having a therapist is very, very, very important. Yeah, I, I mean, those things are... Like you said, they go hand in hand. Same with the the physical aspect. You know, I tell people, oh, I'm depressed. I got anxiety. I'm like, okay, do you eat clean? 
and yeah. do you exercise? Those are number one. Yeah. Because before you start popping pills, yeah, like uh, th- those are the basics, right? Like, yeah. is your body healthy? You're healthy. Right. Okay, you got fucking, you know, you drink enough water. Okay, cool. What's next? Okay, I'm, I'm just taking the pills. Like, okay, you're taking the pills to relieve some of the issues, but you have to get to the root of the issue. You know, why are you why are you acting like this? Right. Why do you think this way? What's right. fucked up about you? Right. Like, figure that out. Get to the root of it. Solve it and let that shit go. Right, and that's how you're gonna. That's how you're gonna keep moving forward. Otherwise, you'll be medicated your whole fucking life. Or just someone like you said, uh, the keep, keeping on on the working out. Like someone trying to work out and they eat like shit. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah. not seeing the results. Yeah, it's and the only gains are fats, right. You know exactly, so, exactly, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, like I mean, that. I mean, uh, what's that? I like that. I like that yeah. concept. You yeah. have that concept, especially from your background. I mean. That's uh, so many people don't know that that's imperative. They go together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so, what we're doing right now is therapeutic. No, it really is. Two friends talking. We talk like this all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talk this deep all the time. Yeah. It's just it's weird that we have mics in front of us, but other than that, um, checking in with people, dude. That's all God wants you to do is check in with Him. Yeah. When's the last time you called God and just asked Him how He was doing? Yeah. <laughs> hey God. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. I know it's fucked up down here right now with the corona and <laughs> the election. You got a lot. But how you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know what how you doing? Guys? Oh man, that's so fucking true. I cause I was about to say I checked with him this morning and then yeah. you're like, see how he's doing. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you asked God how he doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, that's nuts right so there. So I, I I called my mom when I woke up from the hospital and I called my mom when I was in jail. Mm-hmm. But not until I got sober did I call my mom and ask her how she was doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and I I know that's a when I'm when I'm fucked up like that, my friends call or I call my friends and I notice I'm just talking about myself. Oh. You know, it's just oh I don't feel good. I feel fucking sick. I fucked up. I did this. I did that. Okay. Bye. You know, it's not. It's not. Hey, why'd you call? What's going on? Are you okay? Yeah. I don't have no concern because yeah. my body can't go. That person's just like. Uh, Oh, yeah, dude. My fucking poor friend, Nick and Sandra, you know, she's a doctor. And uh, he's, you know, my best friend and shit. They, they give me a call just to check in. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> ah. You, just, you threw up on him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just like, fucking, I'm fucked up. I'm in a lot of pain. I don't know if I should go to the hospital. And they're just like, what the fuck? Like, you were sober. How did this happen? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, then word travels and people, you know, people, some people get mad and, I let it go, and, you know, afterwards, I, I confronted a couple people, like, some of my other best friends and stuff, and I was just like, hey, man, like, this isn't something I want to do. Yeah. It's something I had to do, you know, yeah. and I have to figure this shit out. Yeah. You think I want to fucking relapse and hurt people I love and yeah. be a piece of shit and fucking di- No. But, you know, it happened, and I'm fucking trying to do what the best I can to work on it right now, and that's all I can do. I know people who are not alcoholics. I know people who are not alcoholics who are not addicts, mm-hmm. but they're the, some of the most selfish people I know. Right. Every conversation is about them. Right. Everything they talk about is about them. Mm-hmm. They're so uh, uh, narcissistic. Yeah. Uh, borderline. I don't want to say the word, but uh, what I mean is, some things are innate. Some people, some people are just the way they are. There, but I know you care about people so much mm-hmm. that when you're in that type of mood or mode, mm-hmm. if you're doing that, you're not in recovery, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're happy. 
the conversations become more reciprocal. Yeah. Right? It's more, hey, how you doing, man? Like, hey, but what's been up with you, bro? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? You'll do that and you'll notice it too in your interactions with people. Yeah. But people who are always in distress and always troubled and magnify their situation in their life and they live in, con- in, in, in constant cognitive distortions and everything is always about them and the world is out to get them and it's always black and white thinking and they're always catastrophizing. Yep. That's because this disease is, that's the aspect that's selfish. Mm-hmm. Recovery is not selfish. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of yourself to recover. But when they say recovery selfless is because the more I ask about others, the more I help others, the better I become. Mm-hmm. And that's the service aspect of recovery. The happiest people I know don't have the most money. It's because they do things that help other people and they're content with the way they live. They get to sleep at night at peace. Because mm-hmm. they can say, I, 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 I lived my day serving my God and helping his people and his children. Mm-hmm. And some of the most happy people I know volunteer after retirement and they, they work for nonprofit organizations and they made the money they needed to make and now they just help people. Mm-hmm. And they don't have money like that, but they're just content and happy because they help others. And this program is the only program in the world where you get to forgive yourself, do some inventory work. And get to help other people in order to no longer hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the whole context of this program. Mm-hmm. It's to get you to a relationship of a higher power and help other people. Yeah. And give back. That's... And give back. I know atheists who pray. I know people, they pray to the power of people and the power of the group and to the sum of more than one part. And they pray to math and science, whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know this, they help people and they're sober. Yeah. So it's not about a religious thing. The, the, the bonus is you have a faith. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm uh, releasing anonymity by no, talking no, about that. No, not at all. I, like, I'm, I'm open book You have a strong podcast. faith, and I, I, I'm, I knew that about you when I met you, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that also connected us and made our relationship and our bond tighter mm-hmm. is that you have a faith. And um, a lot of people have – that's one of their hangups in recovery that they don't want to invest and fully uh, sell out to it is because they think it's a religious program. But in fact, it's just a spiritual program, and uh, it's just asking that you be willing to believe, and not that you must believe. Yeah. And, and that's the dogma of religion that gives it a bad eye. A bad eye is that you must believe this way. You must believe that way. You have to do A, B, and C. Yeah. That's yeah. that's not the way it or, works. Yeah, that's what's uh, one of the, the really good things about it. Uh, I guess we were soldiers where Mel Gibson's like giving this speech, and he's like, you know, you're gonna learn to trust the man next to you, not by what name he calls God. And it's pretty true because it's like every religion has the fucking same idea. It's just what name. Or if you're, you know, a hippie and you pray to the universe, it's the same idea. You know what I mean? Something bigger than yourself is going to help us. And it's like, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm just in a very. But when I think I run the show and uh, I'm not. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. When I think I'm running the show, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't need the help of other people who God is working through, right? Or. The love of those people is something that I would need to submit to at least because I'm not loving myself right now, right? Mm-hmm. And if I want to advance or do better, let me at least lean on these people who love me until I can learn to love myself. Right. And that's a constant thing I'm doing. I'm constantly stepping on my own dick. I'm always in my own fucking way. No, Nobody stops me from anything. Right. You know, I could fucking do, I can work myself up, you know, do a show, do this, do that, boom, boom. I'm feeling good. Everything's smart. My body's healthy, strong, minor. And then all of a sudden I get in my own fucking way. 
Right. You know, I stopped I stopped turning my shit over to, to, to my God of my understanding. And I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. Rather mm. than reaching out and, and being like, okay, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, let me take a step back. It's No, I take the wheel. I start trying to take control of things. I get my own way and I end up on the fucking, in the hospital for two weeks or whatever the fucking case yeah. is. You know what I mean? In a path of my own fucking destruction. Like sitting there in the wake of it like, what the fuck just happened? Right. How did I lose all this in fucking a day? I thought I was out for two days. I was out for over a week. Yeah. You know, and, and three of those days I wasn't even drinking. My body was shut off. Yeah. I couldn't move. You know, I, I, did, I wasn't sleeping. I was just laying there like lifeless. Yeah, yeah. You know, aunt's fucking putting her finger under my nose to see if I'm breathing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I have no strength. I haven't eaten in a week. Yeah. I haven't slept. You know, I'm just so beaten down. But, you know, coming to and coming out of it, it's just like, what the fuck? But it's because I wasn't, I wasn't in that connection. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't praying about, you know, maybe I need to have a fucking cool head. I wasn't reaching out to people. I wasn't doing things that you have told me since day one. You know, my brothers told me, the other guys that, that have been in the program and stuff like that have told me, I'm not connecting to that because I think I know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. And obviously I don't. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all right. I mean, yeah. that's beautiful though. That This experience needed to happen. I used to have weeks like that or benders like that and mm. then tell motherfuckers I was partying. <laughs> oh, really? How was that partying? I was in a coma for two. I was yeah. in a coma for three days. <laughs> yeah. I was in a coma for three days. I I I I have uh, overwhelmed my family. I I stressed my family. I overwhelmed them. I, I was a burden on people at my job. Um, I I ran up all these bills. Mm-hmm. I have more expenses now. But then I want to tell myself it wasn't that bad. Shortly after, like I was partying, baby. Yeah. Nah, dog. Yeah. That the and and it's as it progresses. The party's gone. Yeah. The fucking everyone left and it's just my ass sitting there, yeah. you know, not even remembering what happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, nice. and just being fucking out and being like, and then oh, Halloween passed or fucking uh, it's Thanksgiving. It's, it's Christmas time. What year is it? What day is it? <laughs> Why do I have a beard? Yeah. Why are my nails so long? <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> it's just this whole state of confusion where it's just, it's fucked up, dude. And it's, um, I'm just glad I'm in the place I'm at now and I'm glad I, I, that those things from the people that were over me, and we go back, let's, let's do a throwback to the beginning, the seed was planted. And the, the information was there, I just wasn't tapped into it. You know what I mean? That's just... I, you just reminded me of my last, rel- my last uh, blackout. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I took uh, a, a handful of Xanax, and I drank a, a handle of Hennessy. That'll do it. And, uh, <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> I took my neighbor's cocker spaniel, and I went around my neighborhood trying to fight all my homies' pit bulls. With the cocker spaniel? With my neighbor's cocker spaniel. My poor, my poor neighbor Maria. I took her cocker spaniel, and I went around the neighborhood trying to fight pit bulls with the cocker spaniel. They told me in a blackout. Is the cocker spaniel okay? I don't know. She still has the dog. I okay, good. They, all my friends, yeah, my friends were they're threatening to shoot me and stuff, and they said that I, I left. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> the dog's okay. Daniel's okay. Yeah, and we made no animals were hurt in, in the in Daniel's sobering process. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> well, um, yeah, man, I really uh, like you said. It's really therapeutic to to get the shit off my chest. I don't know who's listening, and again, uh, you know, I don't mind being an open book. I don't mind being a tool of uh, uh, of ridicule at points and um, of a, a cautionary tale, but that's not the life I'm gonna lead. But hopefully, someone fucking hears this that needs to hear it, and it does something. 
So I'll put my ass in the roasting spot. You know what I mean? Fuck it. Every, every, <laughs> oh man, all experiences, uh, someone, someone, someone's gonna be able to relate to it. And that's, yeah, that's why I, I do. I make jokes at probably inopportune times, but I do that just because I want people to know that there can be um, levity in discussions that are this serious. But at the same time, uh, I love this young man. I believe in this young man. I want him to start training to fight and continue to train kids. I want him to do stand-up comedy. I believe in the stand-up comedy. I got to see him on uh, Kill Tony, and uh, I'm just so proud of him, and I'm so glad that he's healthy and he's back in recovery to be the best godfather, the best nephew, the best brother that he can be. And uh, I'm just grateful to have him in my life. And uh, I want to continue to be there for him. Every time he's called me, I've been there. Every time his girl's called me, I've been there. And uh, there's so many times in my own life when I wasn't there for myself. And I grew up my whole life uh, doing everything for a lot of people, neglecting myself. And then when it was about myself, it was always about overindulgence. And uh, it was never about moderation. And, uh, and to the point where I've, uh, I've jeopardized my health. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm so grateful to have him in my life. He's been a light to me. and He's worth so much more to a lot of other people. And it takes a strong man and it takes a lot of humility to come on his own platform and talk about <laughs> this embarrassing event, this last relapse, because a lot of people wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, thank you, bro. You know how much love I got for you and how much ab admiration I got for you. And, and like you were saying, dude, like, uh, well, I probably wouldn't be sober if it wasn't for you. You know, people like you, people that other people, you know, Lonnie, people that have really been friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Selfless people that are just trying to help somebody else because they know where they've fucking been. Uh, to so, God be the glory, brother. Yeah. To God be the glory. I can't take no credit for well, that. Well, I'll give you some credit. Oh, um, <laughs> and then. Oh, uh, you give a little bit to black. Get a little bit. A little bit to black Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that that's one of the things too about the meeting is is uh, like you were saying it's it is funny. It's funny how fucked up we are. Uh -huh. It's funny how we come to these conclusions, and we all we always bring it back to, yeah. And then everyone, well, you'll say some off the wall shit. And hey, let me give you an example. On Tuesday, me and Anthony were at a meeting, and someone was like, "Man, I'm gonna get some new teeth this year." And everybody started clapping, we're like, "Yeah!" And then another person shared, they're like, "I took a shower today." Everybody was like, "Yeah!" So it's like that's the only place you could go and have those type of intros. Yeah, or just start talking about being like a really religious conversation and yeah. then just be off the wall fuck like shit yeah I'm fuck this yeah. uh there was this tranny that was in the car yeah. that one guy we're yeah. like what the fuck thank god thank god though yeah <laughs> thank god man i just want to thank my higher power for not allowing me to go down on that tranny <laughs> exactly so i don't know man I'm, I'm glad i'm in the program i'm grateful for you and i'm thankful for all you guys for listening to this story like we said hopefully it touches base with somebody if not fucking at least you know where i'm coming from so Hey, man, I got your back through thick and thin, homie. Thick and thin, baby. That's yeah. why we got this podcast. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Daniel. I really appreciate it. No problem, brother. All right, guys, uh, stay safe. Stay out there. If you guys need something, you want some more information on this shit, feel free to hit me up. Much love. Take care. Peace.